Welcome to the Jersey Arts Podcast. I'm Christopher Benincasa. We recently spoke with artist and designer Molly Hatch, whose signature style is currently on display in a large-scale ceramics installation at the Newark Museum called Repertoire. Hatch graduated from art school in 2008 and hit the ground running, working in the studio, selling her work, and teaching on the side. Then, international retailer Anthropology tapped her to design her own line of products. She's since worked with over 40 other companies worldwide and is represented by Todd Merrill Studio Contemporary in New York City. Hatch is currently based in Massachusetts. She spoke with us from her studio. You've had a really interesting career path going from Vermont Studio Potter to international brand. You graduated art school around the time of the economic collapse of 2008. As a young art school grad, that must have really affected your overall plan, right? Absolutely. Um, and a lot of it had to do with economics. Um, I went to, uh, I went and finished my master's degree in 2008, which wasn't really maybe the best time to be entering the job market as a professor because there were about two jobs as ceramics, two ceramic job openings in the um, academic world that year. So I knew how to be a studio potter. That's what I had trained to do before um, graduate school and had worked for uh, a full-time uh worked full-time as a studio potter for uh, another uh, studio potter in Vermont for a long time. And um, it knew, I just knew that I could make money doing that. And I had already sort of established relationships with several um, craft galleries um, before going to graduate school. So I figured reestablish those relationships. But on the side, I was working on these larger concepts, um, sort of more sculptural and installation concepts. And they just, I wasn't in a place where I had a gallery to show them with or um, had launched that part of my career in a way that um, was, you know, able to make me money yet. So it made sense for me to make pottery and sell that functional pottery in order to help um, build uh, the career on both ends. And so I just, I, I went to it and, and made as many pots as I could and um, helped support my family that way. And in the same time, had a child and sort of worked around all of that with a little flexibility because the studio um, can come, you can come and go. Um, and it, it was sort of great because I, what it did for me was um, a couple of things. It, it kept me making, which is really great and can be challenging after school. I did find a teaching job and um, that was also great, which paid for childcare and gave me more time in the studio. And then um, one of the things that was particularly um, exciting was that Anthropology, a, a women's clothing company, approached me about two years later in 2010 to do a collection in collaboration with them. And it sort of took what I was doing as a studio potter into the design world and licensing. And so I was able to shift what I was doing as a studio potter into design. And um, it really started to pay for me to have more time to develop my work um, for the fine art market. And I found a gallery that year and sort of both things took off at the same time or simultaneously. Um, and sort of one helping the other at various times. And that's still the case. So I'm still, I still design for, um, companies using my, um, name as the brand and, um, it's been really exciting. And, um, the fine art career has sort of surpassed the design career for me financially, but um, I still feel like they're both really important and exciting and do different things for me. So it's kind of fun. 
How much of a game changer was your deal with anthropology? Was it pretty much a before and after kind of event for you? Kind of, yeah. I mean, it was like, it was really, so I, the relationship with anthropology started in 2010 and I didn't have a collection launch. Um, I mean, I started designing in 2010 and then the product hit shelves a year later in 2011 and then things just did so well that um, it was sort of undeniable. This was where I should be doing, like I found my place and the making world in regards to functional ceramics for everyday use. Um, and just, I mean, we've done over 500 products together over the last 10 years. And, and I've worked with like almost 40 different companies internationally. And, um, I think it's just, it's just one of those things that the money was sort of undeniably better than being a studio potter. I couldn't, I just couldn't make a living. I mean, I was starting to kind of hit a wall where I was realizing that, the cost of the the amount of decoration and the time cost ratio compared to what I was getting paid for those mugs and plates and things just wasn't adding up. And so this was a way for me to do that. And it really did. It was like more money than I had seen. Um, I mean, I was buying a kiln. I got a new computer. It was like, (laughs) let's reinvest, you know, and then it bought me, like I said, bought me the time and energy um, and space to take two months to make a piece of artwork without, knowing if someone was going to buy it or not. And to have that, it was really important to have that. It was like getting a grant from the design world to make my fine artwork. Um, And now the fine artwork is actually often paying for marketing and other things in the design end of things. So it's, it, one sort of holds the other up at different times. It's, it's really, but yeah, it, it, both of those things happening at a similar time was kind of like, whoa, (laughs) this is, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Did you ever even imagine a career like this one when you were a student? No. I mean, I don't think anyone... I feel like you spend your entire time in art school, everyone telling you you're never going to make money doing it and that you should just be passionate about it. And you're like, okay, you know, I'll figure it out, I guess. Um, but I think when I was I was an undergraduate student, I really could see that I needed to figure out a way to make it work as a as a living and I think the relationship to functional items and at the very end of the day making something even if it's something that you can drink out of that has a drawing on it um it made sense to me that even at the core basic um sort of relationship to the world or someone who didn't understand art concepts or didn't want to unpack or think about the object beyond the use it still had a use um, in a way for people to relate to it, which I think still is there in the artwork. Like that's why a large, you know, I'm using plates as a as a painting surface because there's an entry point for everyone there. We all understand what a plate is and how to relate to it. And I'm telling you to look at it differently than you might normally. You mentioned in your bio that you are the daughter of a painter and an organic dairy farmer. What was that like? Or is that less interesting than it sounds? No, I think it's interesting. I think, I mean, it's why I mentioned, yeah, it's why I mention it. Um, I think there's an industriousness and sort of a self-assuredness about making that comes with someone, like hard work was always part of my childhood and growing up. And I, my mom was a painter and is a painter. Um, and it, it's never been about being really sort of commercial or related to showing it the work. Um, she went to RISD for a painting um, degree. She didn't finish. She dropped out and married my dad and they ran off to be farmers. And it was a very academic choice in the eighties or late seventies at that point, um, to go be organic dairy farmers. 
um, and they were they're sort of making a political move to champion organics and try to change some things, and they they did it, and they did it in a pretty big way. I mean, my mom was the Vermont Organic Farming Association president for eight years during a time when um, they were really fighting for organic standards to become a governmental standard, and it's, it's really exciting. So I feel like a lot of that has translated into my design work. Like I'm working really hard to develop more ethical and um, sustainable practices in design, particularly in homewares, which is sort of behind the uh, times when it comes to that, and um, really trying to make the brand more um sustainable and ethical and um, work with a lot of integrity. So I've sort of taken some of that value system that I was raised with and applied it to my own industry, I guess, for lack of a better description. I think it's important. It's an important part of who I am um, and the work ethic that came with be- being raised on a farm and, and sort of the relentlessness of that work, um, I think applies to being an artist. Like I just, I work like I'm on the farm. I mean, sun up, sun down and beyond. It's not, my days are really long and um, I don't take a lot of vacations, <laughs> um, if any. Like I think I had the first vacation in five years this this summer and it felt really good. But, you know, I think that's a lar- large part of it that a lot of people um don't realize or, or unless you're self-employed or or an artist and really it's a lot of work you're never off conceptually repertoire was created in honor of the newark museum's collection of contemporary ceramic art but also commemorating the recent retirement of curator of decorative arts ulysses Dietz. Um, you call it a mural but it's not what we think of as a mural this mural is made up of underglaze painted porcelain plates you can probably explain this better than I can. So the the Engel, I think it's the Engelhart Court. Forgive me, Newark Museum, if I <laughs> mispronounce that. Um, so when you walk in, it's sort of a main space. It's a gallery space, but it it's also largely an event space. And so, it, and it really feels like a courtyard inside. Um, there's an atrium ceiling, and it's light flooded, and you have sort of architectural. Um, arches that surround um, the courtyard with uh, a little um, uh, sort of fence even um, or or a rail along the side of the sort of hallway that kind of skirts around the whole space and then as you enter you see three niches that are the same architectural style and and continuation of the um, sort of uh, sort of edging and uh, railing of the um, hallway along the courtyard uh, along a finished wall so they're they're actually not you can't see through them or anything but the plates sort of give you it's almost like they're windows but you're their windows to the plates that are there so the plates are hanging to fill the niche so that there's almost like an illusion of continuation of space behind Um, and the plates are 14, the, the installations are 14 feet high, and so the niches are 14 feet high, so they're quite large, and it's a very sort of dramatic space. Um, and as you approach, they become sort of, you have to look up to see them. They're, they start at sort of chest height, um, and then you they become sort of monumental as you look at them. Um, but then when you get close, you can see the brushstrokes from uh, the hand painting that we did on each plate, and you can see that they're hand done, and um, that they're a, really a reflection of a weaving or of a silk. Um, and you can kind of start to see the pixelation of what becomes a, a sort of smoother image from all the way across back on the sort of 
hallway walk around the courtyard. Um, and it's exciting. They're vibrant. They're very colorful. And um, I think they do a good job of uh, filling the space and making it more unified and a good reflection of the, of the museum. Okay, for all the art students out there and all the parents of art students out there, you are um, an inspiring success story. What advice do you have for emerging artists? There's no formula. I, I think that there, there's really an endless amount of applications of an art degree, and I, don't, I think there's like this fear that you're going to go to art school and not make a living, and I think that's pretty stereotypical concern of a parent who's sending their kid off to an art school. But I, I have to say that so many people who I went to school with have really amazing creative problem solving skills and maybe didn't end up becoming full-time artists, but their, their applied skill set from that degree um, has benefited them enormously in their lives. And so I think entering into and for students entering into or coming out of a, a bachelor of fine arts degree with an open mind you're going to have um an amazing amount of opportunities that come your way like if I had been really closed off to design if anthropology had called me and said mm, yeah yeah we want to work with you and I had said mm, yeah that's selling out or that's that's not for me I would have never known that this whole thing for me was waiting and that it would have supported so nicely the fine art or one-of-a-kind objects that I'm making and that there were sort of different ways to solve the same problem that I was thinking about and different, you know, from design all the way to one-of-a-kind objects and fine art world. Um, and I think that, you know, I thought I was going to be a teacher. I thought I was going to be a potter and I tried all those things. And every time I sort of had to come up with a different solution for what, cause they didn't, weren't exactly what I thought they were going to be. And I think that's kind of everyone's story, right? Like, I don't think anyone goes to school <laughs> for, and, and comes out like very few people come out doing what they thought they were going to do. Um, and I think that that open-mindedness and adventurousness and sort of creative problem solving, um, will lead you to pretty cool places. So I think hard work and perseverance is also um, a big deal. And I the, the only other thing I would say is that my mom, as a painter who never had the commercial success and has never really shown her work much, I'd say she has one of the most successful studio careers of anyone that I know because she's consistently making work throughout her whole life. And it's really hurt for her and solving issues that she wants to solve and answering questions that she wants to answer in her own work. Um, and it's for no one else. And that, that there's such a deep respect from me for that kind of studio practice. Like I hope that I can still want to make work outside of a commercial gallery relationship, outside of the accolades and the sort of pat on the back from museums and curators I, I don't know if I would still, you know, like it's a hard question to answer. And I think that that, that that need to continue to make work really shows that she's maybe even more of a true artist than, than those of us who require those other things to continue. And I think that there's a lot to be said for that. So I think maybe even being open-minded about what your definition of a successful career looks like um, could really help you in your relationship with work. Um, it might not be that you come out as a financially successful artist, but I do think it will um, support you in a way that a lot of other degrees couldn't um, in whatever you end up doing, whether it is fine art or something related. Molly Hatch's installation, Repertoire, is currently on view at the Newark Museum. 
For more information, go to newarkmuseum.org. To see more of Molly Hatch's work, go to mollyhatchstudio.com or mollyhatch.com. And for more about the arts in New Jersey, visit jerseyarts.com. I'm Christopher Benincasa for the Jersey Arts Podcast. Thanks for listening. The Jersey Arts Podcast is made possible by the New Jersey State Council on the Arts, supporting excellence and engagement in the arts since 1966.